Blessings one and all, and welcome to this week's episode of Journey into Spiritualism. I'm your host, Paul James Caden, and this week we are going to be taking a spiritualist view of the Arantia book. Now, if you are unfamiliar with what the Arantia book is, I'm going to give a brief explanation here in this podcast, but I'm also going to leave a link below to my YouTube channel where there's an older podcast where uh, I talk about what is the Arantia book. And I would encourage you to listen to that particular show because when you go online and start looking up the Arantia book, uh, take it from me, there's a lot of misinformation online about this book. And you will come away thinking it's a whole lot of things that it's not. And maybe even come away from that information saying, oh, I, I don't want to read that. That sounds, you know, hokey or kooky or whatever the case may be. So I would listen to that particular show, listen to this show, get a better understanding of what the book is. And again, the, these are not uh, exhaust, exhaustive studies on what the Arantia book is, but it gives you a better idea uh, rather than all the misinformation online. If you're an avid uh, student and reader of the Arantia book, I would encourage you to still listen to this show uh, because there are some things here that perhaps you're unaware of or didn't know before. I know that there are some Arantia book readers who look at things like spiritualism or having any kind of uh, contact with higher spirits and they'll say, ah, you know, the word they'll use, oh, that's just all sophistry, you know, but... Uh, Again, the, there's some things here I think you'll find to be interesting and, uh, you know, maybe a little bit of a uh, learning experience to consider uh, those Urantia book readers who do believe that we are able to connect and get inspiration and messages from, you know, higher celestial beings. So very interesting show this week. I really look forward to... Uh, talking about this topic. So let's get into uh, a little bit about what the Arantia book is for those of you who might not be familiar with it. And again, this is not uh, going to be a lengthy explanation by any means, but it fits in with our category of what the Arantia book is not. When you ask a lot of people or read a lot of information online, the first thing you will find about the Urantia book is people will say, even Urantia book readers, some of them will say, well, the Urantia book, it's a channeled work, which means that a spirit spoke through an individual in trance and this information came through. Now, that is actually not true. They believe this because... The Arantia book, uh, many, they, they say that the writing, uh, the putting together of the Arantia book began in the 1930s. Others say that uh, this actually began in maybe the mid-latter 1920s. It was first published in the October of 1955. And in a nutshell, what happened here is that there was a psychologist by the name of William Sadler. And he and his wife were staying in a temporary apartment while their new home was being built in Chicago. Uh, 
And one night the Saddlers get a knock on their door and one of their neighbors asks, geez, could you come down and check on my husband? There's something really weird going on with him. Uh, he, he falls asleep. I can't wake him up. And, you know, the Saddlers go down, they observe, and eventually this man starts saying some very peculiar things while he's asleep. And eventually he speaks in his sleep and tells William Sadler that who's speaking through the man are these celestial beings. So William Sadler, uh, eventually he writes down some questions and he says, hey, uh, this has either got to be, you know, some kind of a joke, some kind of a put on, or the guy's having some kind of, you know, psychological episode. Uh, William Sadler was not a believer in psychic phenomenon uh, or things uh, that would pertain to spiritualism. He actually uh, debunked a lot of that stuff where the uh, frauds were concerned. So he was not a believer in any of this. So observing this man, seeing what was going on with him and, you know, trying to catch him in his uh, trickery or to find out if he was having some kind of psychological issue, William Sadler wrote down some uh, quite deep questions about God and the universe that these celestial beings uh, should, should know. But uh, eventually what happens here very shortly after that uh, and this was, I think, before uh, William Sadler got to present the questions to the man, is that these papers began to appear without a human author. And there, there's a whole thing where writing analysis was done on William Sadler, on other people, on the sleeping person, everybody involved with these Urantia papers, the writing of these papers that were just appearing uh, didn't match any of the people involved. This went so far as, uh, you know, people spying on <laughs> the uh, the individual who was the sleeper channeling the, these uh, uh, these celestial beings, and no one ever caught anyone forging these papers or, you know, uh, you know, writing them and saying that they just appeared. And now the interesting thing was, and this is documented, that the questions William Sadler wrote down to ask the sleeping man, the sleeping man nor his wife, no one knew what these questions were. They didn't even know that William Sadler wrote these questions. But in the first papers that appeared, these questions were answered, almost like an invisible force knew that William Sadler had written these questions, and now they were answering them. So the idea of the sleeping person, the man in a trance, uh, speaking these things, and William Sadler writing it all down, that it's being a channeled work, is incorrect. Actually, what this would be from a spiritualist point of view is what is called independent writing. Now, in spiritualism and psychic phenomenon, there is automatic writing where a spirit inspires or takes over an individual and they, they write, uh, sometimes quite unaware, allegedly, of what they're writing. And then there is independent writing 
where writing is produced by a spirit. There is no medium. Uh, there is no human being involved in the process. Uh, and sometimes uh, not even a pen. Sometimes the spirits could use the pen and there would be uh, a pen, words being written by an invisible hand and an independent writing. The phenomenon can also be that the words will just uh, materialize on the page. And now uh, these are things that uh, very, very controlled experiments were done by people who were physicians and scientists who were spiritualists and uh, were able to see this phenomenon happen. So independent writing, letters, words, coherent paragraphs just appearing on a piece of paper is actually uh, something that can and does happen. So if one wanted to get technical, you could say that the Arantia book was produced by means of independent writing. It is not a channeled work. In the book Real Spiritualism by Thomas E. Williams, he speaks of independent writing and says, Independent writing is a type of automatic writing that occurs without any visible physical contact with the medium and sometimes without writing material. Examples of independent writing can be found in the Bible and they include the writing of the Ten Commandments found in Exodus 31 verse 18. And he gave unto Moses when he had made an end of communing with him upon Mount Sinai two tablets of testimony, tables of stone written with the finger of God. And also a story found in Daniel 5, verse 5, which reads, In the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand and wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part the hand had wrote. And so we do see examples of independent writing throughout history. You will actually find this in many paranormal investigation uh, scenarios where someone will go in and there will be writing on the wall, uh, whether it's uh, a warning, beware, get out, evil is here, leave, help me. So you will see uh, cases even in paranormal investigations where cases of independent writing will happen. Uh, whether it be on a piece of paper, a mirror, a wall. And as we have just seen that there are examples uh, given in the Bible of what would be independent writing, writing done by a spirit with no visible means. So when you hear that the Arantia book is a channeled work, know right away and for a certainty that this is false information that is not true. But one may ask, how do we know that William Sadler did not write the Arantia book or people that he was involved with? Because as these papers appeared, William Sadler put together a forum of people and as the papers would appear, they would read them, they would 
talk about them. They would ask further questions, and then those questions would be answered in the next papers that would materialize. And after all, we don't know who this sleeping person was that uh, was originally talking in this trance state, saying that celestial beings were speaking through him. So who wrote the Urantia book? We don't know a whole lot about who this person was. We don't know the names of, you know, a lot of people that, that may have been involved. And this is because, according to uh, William Sadler and those involved, and, and even the, the entities who uh, allegedly wrote the Urantia book, they didn't want any human authors or interference in the text that this was a revelation coming directly from God to the human race. And the Arantia book is known as the fifth epical revelation uh, to mankind. My answer to that would be, in reading the Arantia book, when you're going back to the 1920s, the 1930s, the 1940s, even up to... 1955 when it was first published you're going to find some information in there that just seems far beyond uh, what man knew about the universe or God or angels the way that it is written and many people who read the Arantia book say uh, a couple of things that a when they start reading it Right away, they know it's the truth. Somehow, it just resonates. And they say, this is the God I believed in all my life, ever since I was a child. This feels right. Now, I had that experience. They will read things in the Arantia book and say, I thought about that before. I never heard anyone talk about those things, but here it is in this book. You know, what a blessing. This is God confirming to me that... You know, my faith before religion indoctrinated me was actually pure and actually uh, from God or directed by God. And again, uh, my experience with the Arantia book uh, was very similar to that. So when you read something that is truly a channeled work, or something that is done through automatic writing or inspiration in that way, or something that would come through by independent writing. In, in my experience in studying these works, uh, reading some books that uh, allegedly came through higher beings, higher spirits, it, it usually has... A different flavor, a different flair. It goes to a whole different spiritual and intellectual level that it just becomes kind of difficult to imagine that a human being came up with this information. And there's so much information in the Arantia book, so many different beings, classes of you know, angels and celestial beings who helped her run the universe and look after man's created beings or look after God's created beings like man on planet Earth. You know, those of us who are evolving our souls and, 
you know, living on this material planet. And, you know, all through these papers, you know, the mentions of these beings over and over again and their tasks and their jobs. And it just seems like it would be a heck of a lot of detail for somebody <laughs> to, you know, keep in mind and, and write so clearly and so intricately. I mean, the, the language of the Arantia book can be rather thick uh, at times, but then there are also papers that are very easy to understand. So one of the earmarks uh, of truly spiritual produced writing is the high factor of inspiration that it has on the reader. That so many people can read it and just go, wow, right away I know something's different here. Right away this resonates with me on such a deep level. And somehow I already knew this deep within myself. That inspiration, that confirming from deep within is the true earmarks of a piece of writing that is coming from a source that is not fully man or from man at all. Someone once said that the more you read the Arantia book, the more you are convinced and become aware that this is uh, a work that was delivered to us from the angels. But now, what about the things that might have been incorrect or off about the Arantia book? What about this idea that people read in the Arantia book of eugenics and they go, oh my gosh, how could a book written by God talk about eugenics? You know, what about this idea when it talks about Jesus that, you know, when he died on the cross, he, he wasn't this sacrifice for all mankind as the Bible teaches. You know, that this was a man-made idea later on that he was this uh, lamb of God sent to be you know, tortured and killed on the cross, but a loving God would never do such a thing. A lot of, a lot of people, mainstream Christians, have an issue with that and say, "Oh, right there, we know it's from the devil because it, it takes away, the, um, the redemption of the cross and the death of Christ on the cross." Well, first and foremost, uh, you have to realize, a couple of things. There is no writing on the planet from human beings or from spirits that is perfect. You will find mistakes. And some people will argue and say, well, that's because the spirits who are delivering the message uh, are not God. They don't know everything. But I lean more toward explanation number two is that when we're talking about channeling and automatic writing, that human opinion can still creep into the text. You know, take my word for it when I say it's, it's difficult to keep your own thoughts from coming into something that you're being inspired to write down. 
And number three, naturally, man going back and changing the text or editing and rewriting parts of a text because, well, a person might have very strong beliefs about a thing and the writing disagrees with those uh, particular beliefs, so they have to change it to make it agree with what they believe. Now, that has happened with the Bible. It's a perfect example. The Bible is an inspired book. The Bible, you could say, came about probably by automatic writing or what some spiritualists call automatic dictation. There is no trance in automatic dictation. The inspiration comes, sometimes a voice even speaking to the person, and they just write down what they hear. But yet we know, over time, translations of the Bible have changed. They've changed words to fit different uh, scenarios, like any spiritualist will show you that in the modern-day Bibles back in the day, uh, in Deuteronomy, when it talks about a man should not you know, consult with a witch or a fortune teller or this or that, and a medium, but that word medium is not in the original Hebrew language. It is necromancer, which is something very different than a modern-day spiritualist medium. So things do get tampered with, tampered with even with the Bible. And so there are some who believe that when the Arantia book was put together and it was read through getting ready to go, you know, to the press, to the printing press and finally be released, that William Sadler did some editing and that some of his own ideas may have crept into the text. Now there are uh, quite a few Urantia book readers who believe that. That Sadler, uh, you know, even though he was involved in this process, he believed it. He believed in what, you know, was written in these papers. Um, but there may have been some things that uh, he may have disagreed with so strongly that he changed them a bit or put his own ideas into the text. And, you know, we might say, well, no, that would never happen, but it can happen. And we have to be open to that possibility. You know, no text that we have here on planet Earth, whether it be the Bible, whether it be the Old Testament, the Jewish scriptures, the New Testament, the Koran, the Arantia book, uh, no text is infallible. And I think that's why the Arantia book stresses so much that the best way that a human being can get to know God is through personal experience with him. The Arantia book never tells us, this is your instruction manual for life. This is the book you must follow, A to Z. This is an inspired word of God given to you by angels, and therefore you must, you know, uh, be fundamentalist Urantia book readers and live by every jot and every tittle you know, and, and become like, um, you know, evangelical fundamentalist uh, Urantians. You know, it doesn't say that at all. You know, uh, the, text is, the text is there for our edu education, our edification, to help us grow spiritually, but it encourages us time and time again to seek personal experience with God because that is the way we truly 
get to know him beyond philosophy, religion, and uh, speculation and mere logic. So understand that no text is perfect. And if we're looking for the perfect text here on planet Earth uh, to confirm our faith or to say, oh, here's the book that God wrote. It's the perfect one. This is what I'm going to follow. Uh, we're all going to be looking probably uh, till the day we die because that perfect text that has not been fumbled with in some way, shape, or form does not exist. But now as far as the Arantia book goes, now let's look at this idea of um, eugenics in the Arantia book. Some people say, well, this is something that, you know, one of the things that maybe it's likely that William Sadler uh, kind of threaded into the text because he and uh, Mr. Kellogg, I think it was Wilfred Kellogg, yeah, the guy who actually, uh, uh, the founder of Kellogg's Cereal, uh, they very much believed in eugenics. But the Arantia book does not teach, and, and, and this is where we have to really tune in and understand. The Arantia book does not teach that anyone should ever go out and look to eliminate, kill, or destroy, or eradicate certain races of people or people with uh, psychological disabilities. It does not teach that at all. The Arantia book uh, will state over and over, if you read it, that murder, killing, and violence has no place in the kingdom of God. You know, in short... I'm paraphrasing. If you do these things, sorry, no dice. So it is never, ever telling us when it speaks of eugenics to, to go out and murder a bunch of people or eliminate a bunch of people from the face of the earth. The subject of eugenics in the Arantia book is something that uh, a lot of people... Uh, that are a lot smarter than I am, say eugenics, as taught by the Arantia book, is something that the human race cannot even grasp at this time in our history and, and where we are spiritually and, and mentally. The best I could say about it is the Arantia book tells us that, you know, rather than take people that uh, maybe have uh, mental disabilities, maybe, uh, you know, those who are not too uh, swift on the uptake. And, and, and we know, the, the uh, you know, all of us know these kinds of people. You know, they're, they're very slow learners. They have disabilities or, you know, whatever the case may be. Basically, and again, I'm paraphrasing, it would say this. Hey, you know what? Don't stick these people in you know, affordable housing, give them welfare, and just say, there you go. Go out there and try to live the best that you can. Um, you know, have more children, you know, have children amongst yourselves that are, you know, going to be more uh, people that might have psychological issues or mental deficiencies. Uh, you know, this is not what it's saying we should do. 
and it's a it's a hard pill to swallow but the way the way we treat such people and handle such people in our society uh, here in America and across the world is pretty poor. You know, we just stick these people away in hotels and motels and run down welfare housing, you know, give them, you know, gobs of money and food stamps each week and just say, well, here you go. Go figure it out. When the Urantia book basically says, you know, yes, these people need to be cared for. They need to be educated. They need, need to have a purpose in society and not just left to their own devices to run amok. It does not exclude these people from the kingdom of God. It does not exclude any person of any race uh, from the kingdom of God or, you know, reaching God, having a relationship with God. And, you know, the Arantia book does talk about in ancient times, you know, certain races that were more inferior one way or another to other races. And this is just a fact. But, you know, in uh, like one uh, friend of mine said in a, a world now where, you know, everybody says, well, there is no race, you know, that gets very uh, to be a very touchy subject. You know, uh, it can be triggering to some people. Some people don't want to hear those things, but that's a fact of life. I mean, hey, I'm sitting here doing this podcast now and I'm, you know, I'm a reasonably intelligent person. I'm in, you know, reasonably, uh, you know, decent health. But compared to a lot of people, I would be, you know, inferior. You know, I'm not perfect. I'm not a perfect specimen. I'm not in perfect health. You know, I don't know everything there is to know about everything. So, you know, I I would have somewhat inferior intelligence compared to some people. The Arantia book would classify people that are maybe a warring people, always looking to kill and go to war and, you know, take land, you know, as an inferior people. They don't even have uh, the moral capacity to accept God or accept what is right and what is wrong. And if you really look at the Arantia book, that is the biggest handicap and the biggest thing that makes one person inferior to another is the inability to accept God and do right. There are some people that no matter what, they're just going to do whatever they want to do. They're going to kill. They're going to steal. They're going to wreak havoc on society. They're going to wreak havoc against other countries, other nations. They are, for whatever reason, morally and spiritually bankrupt. And this makes them uh, definitely uh, you know, inferior on the intellectual, the moral, and the spiritual level. And only in those cases does the Arantia book say that, you know, hey, maybe there were times that uh, certain people had to be um, kind of done away with through war because that's all they did was fight wars and kill and take and wreak havoc upon the earth. But 
the Arantia book does not promote going to war saying, oh, those people look dangerous. Let's go over there and blow them up or kill those people or kill that race. No. You know, basically it would be, uh, I guess, kind of like uh, the Koran, you know. Let's say the uh, the country of uh, Little Rock, you know, making up a country because I don't want to offend anybody by, you know, uh, thinking I'm insinuating that a, a certain country is bad. But let's say the country of Little Rock, the hypothetical country of Little Rock, all they do is kill and war and, you know, upset the global peace continually. Well, there may come a time through attacking everyone that everyone may need to get together and say, well, you know what, unfortunately, we're going to have to deal with the country of Little Rock because um, they're just way out of control. And they're really, you know, uh, a major stumbling block for society and mankind to better itself because we're always at war. We're always in fear. We're always dealing with some form of violence with the people of Little Rock. So I hope you kind of understand that uh that allegory. And so I wanted to spend a little time uh, explaining, you know, eugenics in the Arantia book. It is not eugenics as we understand it. You know, go out and kill, you know, do away with all the people of this color, do away with all people of this nationality, do away with all uh, disabled people. You know, that's not, not what it's saying at all. So, again, that's something that's uh, greatly misrepresented about the Urantia book uh, online when you do any kind of research. But then one might ask the question, even though it speaks of a higher form of eugenics, giving, you know, people with mental disabilities a purpose in our society rather than just sticking them away in institutions or, you know, welfare housing. You know, even though it speaks of a higher form of, uh, you know, taking care of these people and, you know, eugenics. uh, Did that topic come from celestial beings or was that something that Sadler and company introduced into the text during the editing process? I think that's for each individual to determine for themselves when they read the book. And when it comes to eugenics and the Arantia book, I I just want to say this uh, in closing on that topic. I am certainly not uh, a scholar or the man who knows everything about that topic in the Arantia book. I know a little bit I know what it's saying, I know what it's not saying, but there's people who do uh, know a whole lot more than I do. Uh, I kind of stumbled through it a little bit here in some of my explanations only to say that, you know, it doesn't promote going out and killing certain people just because uh, they're inferior or the inferior people are just useless eaters that need to be done away with you know they're just animals who uh you know can't even uh, have a relationship with god or obtain the kingdom of god that's not what it's saying at all 
So eugenics in the Urantia book is much different than eugenics of earthly man and the way uh, it's been practiced here on planet Earth in the past. So, again, uh, is that something that celestial beings gave us or, you know, did Sadler kind of weave that into the text? Uh, that's something I would say everyone would need to do their own research and determine, uh, but still in all, it's, I didn't find it to be a terrible thing reading about it in the Urantia book. It didn't make me sit there and go, oh my God, this is horrible. This is brutal. This is murder. This is, you know, this is genocide. This, you know, what kind of celestial beings would write this? This is, holy cow, you know, that I didn't have that reaction at all. I was maybe a little uncomfortable with you know, uh, some of the terminology talking about, you know, inferior races and, you know, inferior peoples. But by the time I read through the book and got to the life and teachings of Jesus and realized where in that book, you know, it uh, pretty much lays out that any person of any mental status or station in life can find God, know God, and obtain God in the hereafter, the paradise ascent or heaven. God is no respecter of persons. He loves us all. And there is no person who is looked down upon or barred from the presence of God. So that really said it all for me. And uh, I'm just going to leave it there uh, on that particular topic. I talked about that a little longer than I wanted to. But I think it's uh, I think it's uh, an important thing to talk about, or at least try to talk about, when it comes to the Arantia book. And again, I see nothing there coming from these writings that was terrible, awful, immoral, uh, genocidal, or uh, otherwise. Uh, really quickly, the next thing uh, I wanted to talk about is the idea of the sacrifice of Jesus, him not being this human sacrifice on the cross for the sins of humanity. Now, first and foremost, as a Christian spiritualist, yes, I believe that Jesus dying on the cross had uh, a lot of different ramifications uh, pertaining to me, pertaining to mankind, when it comes to the forgiveness of sins, uh, opening the way to the kingdom of God for humanity. Um, but it, again, it doesn't bother me reading this in the Arantia book, because we here in Western Christianity have this idea that Christianity has always been Christianity. You know, all Christians in the past believe Jesus died for their sins. Who, who's anybody to say he didn't? Or even speculate that he didn't? You know, that he was just murdered. He was just crucified on the cross by, you know, the Romans and the Jewish people of the day. Because they found his teachings to be too dangerous to their position and their power. Who's anybody to say that? Well, we might be surprised to find out 
And this is, again, a hard pill for a lot of uh, modern-day Western Christians to swallow. But back in the early inception of Christianity, not everybody believed the same thing about Jesus. There were various beliefs about Jesus. Some believed he was a prophet. Some believed he was the Son of God. Some believed he was a spiritual being manifesting in a material body. Some believe he died for our sins. Others believe he didn't die for our sins. But when he died on the cross, he appeared to the apostles to show them that there is life after death. His teachings are true. We do overcome the world and death and all things that seem to be against us in this material reality, this material world, we do overcome all those things by faith in God. He brought us the truth. He was the way shower. Others believe he wasn't crucified at all. That he was taken up into heaven before the crucifixion. So there's all, there were all kind of different ideas about Jesus. And it wasn't until the Church of Rome came along and, you know, um, began to define Christianity as a lot of it, a lot of it is defined now and uh, really put to death uh, those people who didn't agree or bow down to their uh, form of Christianity uh, that all Christians, uh, you know, kind of believe that Jesus was, you know, this, that, or the other thing. Before the Church of Rome... A uh, lot of different beliefs about Jesus. So it doesn't offend me. It doesn't make me think the Arantia book is satanic. It, in fact, for me, uh, gives me food for thought and makes me think. If the Arantia book is the product of celestial beings or angels, if the Arantia book came about through the process of um, independent writing, which through the research I've done, and I've done a lot of research on this, I believe that it has. I believe that it may have some information in there or a lot of information in there that is very much well worth our knowing and very much worth our considering. So I don't throw the baby out with the bathwater or start theological wars with the Arantia book uh, because I've read it, I've studied it, I've really looked into its history and what it's saying for going on six, seven years now. So uh, I don't know everything there is to know about it, but I know enough and I'm convinced that this book is something well i'll just put it this way i believe it is what it says it is and that is uh, the work of celestial beings a revelation to mankind to kind of bring us up to speed on some things that uh you know maybe uh we needed to know because our uh, our religions can be a little too 
exclusive. Our religions can be a little too violent. Our religions can be a little bit too closed off to others and judgmental. And maybe this book came around for those of us who are tired of all that, so we would read it and go, hey, that's what I've always believed. Hey, this really resonates. I feel there's something special about this book. Hey, this book is really kind of waking me up to what I already kind of knew about God all my life. Maybe it's just out there for the seeker to find and to find that peace and connection with God that we're all seeking that is free from the mire and the judgments and the man-made doctrines. The last thing I'll say about the Urantia book is that there are those in the Urantia community, as I mentioned in the beginning of this show, who believe it is possible to connect and receive information from higher beings. This is called the teaching mission. And much like spiritualists, uh, many of these folks will meditate and just get into a certain state of mind and begin writing or speaking uh, information through inspiration that they feel are coming through angels or other high celestial spirits, giving them inspiration to help comfort and teach man in their time of need. There are other Urantia book readers who will say, nope, the teaching mission is a bunch of bull. It's sophistry. The Urantia book doesn't uh, say that anything like this should happen or can happen. But yet, you know, those who believe in the teaching mission say, well, there's plenty of verses that do allude to this is very much a possibility. And that if the Arantia book itself came about in such an incredible way, then why wouldn't we be allowed to have some pretty incredible personal experiences with God, whom the Arantia book tells us to have those personal experiences with. I find it interesting that no matter how you slice it, no matter what religion, no matter what people believe, what book they read, whether they be Christians or Muslims or Urantia book readers or Buddhists, there are always that group of people who believe it's possible to connect with the other side one way or another. And I believe that as modern spiritualism does, that is an, in, an innate belief in mankind that the spirit world is there and waiting. It's our true home. And we don't have to wait until we die to connect with it. We can connect with it now. There are people who, who oppress that, who are afraid of that, and that's fine. Me, as a Urantia book reader and as a spiritualist, you know, I say to each their own, everybody's on their own rung of the ladder, everybody's having their own relationship with God, but let's not, let's not try to discourage other people in their journey. 
Yes, if it's fanatical. Yes, if it's dangerous. Yes, if it's getting weird or oppressive, then yeah, maybe we need to speak about it or step in and have an intervention. But if people are just learning and growing and they're joyful and they love God and they love other people and they're not hurting anybody, then let everyone have their personal experience and grow uh, in their own soul as God leads them. As a Urantia book reader, I would say to fellow readers listening to this show, if you've gotten this far, stop throwing around the word sophistry at everybody who disagrees with what you believe and just accept others as they are. There is a verse in the Arantia book uh, that says that we can argue about God but it is our personal experience with him and in him that will certainly bypass and rise above all philosophy, arguments, religion, and logic. And uh, I certainly believe that. So let everyone have their experience with God and in God and love them for who they are. If they're seeking truth and trying to make this world a better place, they're walking in love, bless them, and see them on their way. Agree where you agree, and just try to understand where we don't agree. So this was uh, a little bit of a longer podcast. Uh, I don't rehearse these things. I just pick a topic. Uh, I write down uh, two or three little notes to remind myself, and then I just talk. So uh, yeah, I really kind of got on a a bit of a tangent with this one, but um, there's a lot that can be said on these subjects and trying to squeeze it into a half hour, 45 minute show is sometimes impossible. And then we have subjects like eugenics that, um, as many Urantia book readers say, it's it's a tricky one, a tr- tricky one to talk about and verbalize. And, you know, I just kind of did the best I can, though I I admit I think I did it poorly, uh, but <laughs> you, the listener, could uh, be the judge of that in the end. But uh, thank you for listening, and I hope you got something out of this show this week. Until next time, stay in love, stay in light, and I'll see you next time here on Journey into Spiritualism. And hey, while you're at it, until next time, maybe go out and read the Arantia book and See what you think about it. God bless everybody. I'll talk to you next time.